Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Duck and the Usher. My name is Joshua Stedenkamp. I am Zach Fisher. And here at Duck and the Usher, we are a movie podcast that will talk about forgotten films, sleeper hits, cult classics, and box office bombs. And those films that have forgotten but sit in the back of your mind, you know. Ones you might not remember you saw briefly at the age of eight. <laughs> yeah, right. And then at 30, it's, yeah. we start talking about them. So let's discuss a little bit. Like, Zach, uh, give give some people a little backstory. I mean, our bios are on our website. But yeah. uh, if you're just tuning in for the first time, you're just trying out this podcast. Yeah. Like, what is this about? We love movie podcasts. And uh, so let's give a little uh, background before we dive into our first sure. feature. Absolutely. Um, well, the idea stemmed from just him and I just talking about movies. And we thought it would be fun to... Um, you know, talk about the kinds of films, uh, exactly as you mentioned at the top here, but that are either forgotten and sleeper hits or things that, that people generally don't talk about. Every other podcast in the world, like talks about like modern stuff or, you know, uh, the main, you know, pillar movies of, of cinematic history. And I feel like those sorts of movies have been dissected and talk about, talked about so much rather that we, uh, we would do something a little different. And, uh, here we are. Um, and the name Duck and the Usher actually refers to what you may or may not have done as yeah, a teenager. You know, it, it, when when you're in the movie theaters back in the day, it was kind of, uh, you could, I mean, back in the day, it's not like we're super old, but, <laughs> you know, there actually were movie ushers that would kind of go through the movie and make sure kids weren't sneaking in and, yeah. you know, we'd sneak in. Nowadays, we don't do that anymore. I mean, no. it's just kind of a play on words, so don't sneak into films. Really yeah. pay, pay the money. You we know, definitely recommend you support the art. Yes, absolutely. Uh, theft is theft. And, uh... Don't take that out of context. Um, so let's uh, we'll t- 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 tell the uh, audience a little bit about yourself, oh, Mr. About me. Yeah. About me. So I was uh, born and raised right here in Central Florida. This is where basically we're doing our podcast in a small little town in my wife's crafting room. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> No, I was a magician for about 17 years. I've been a stilt walker. I've been a balloon artist. Uh, I'm a karaoke host. I own live events. So this is a, kind of a fun thing, but I've always loved movies. Uh, ever since I was a kid, it, living in Florida, it gets really hot outside, so you play for a couple hours, and then you go in, and I would just kind of indulge my mind into soul and just delve into every uh, thing I could possibly watch. So Got a little text message there? A little texty. Yeah. My buddy, uh, my buddy Jamal. I, uh, I don't have nearly the... Uh the resume of my counterpart here. I uh, <laughs> I too love movies, um, but I've I've for the last ten years or so I've worked uh, in the service industry, uh, so there's always there's always plenty of downtime to watch movies. Yeah, if you're yeah, not bartending you know. or serving tables. So that's uh, why the food takes so long, huh? Yeah, <laughs> as I'm talking about movies with my friends, uh, I I developed a love for flicks uh, way back uh, when I was a kid. My father would like turn me on to movies and sit me down. And I'd, I'd watch it with him like like JFK. No, or, it's a great or, Stone, or right? The Stand, yeah. Movies I probably shouldn't have seen yeah. as a kid. I remember once he rented Under Siege, <laughs> thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to get a little Seagal action here. And it was right when my grandmother came over to visit was that scene where the where the woman is dancing. He's like, you know, going through the ship and then she's all topless. She's yeah, like, what like, are you watching? Watching True Lies as a kid. You're like, I don't know if I'm supposed to yeah. see this. Am I not? supposed to feel this way about Jamie Lee Curtis? Yeah, she was hot in that movie. Oh, my God. Yes. Anyway. Yes. So that's what we're gonna do. That's we're what we're gonna, gonna do. We're gonna, just, movies, we're, gonna we're gonna bullshit about films. And uh, our first movie is the nineteen ninety six classic, The Phantom. Yeah. With Billy Zane and a few other people, we're gonna talk about. Uh, the Phantom is the ghost who walks. It was created by Lee Falk, which we'll uh, we'll have Zach talk about that in a little bit. He's 
big Phantom fan, so he's going to indulge. He's going to delve right into uh, to that. But it was released in June, so kind of a, it was supposed to be a big summer blockbuster hit, is what it was supposed to be. And right. It came out in 1996, and it bombed. I mean, they spent $45 million to make it, and uh, I think the opening weekend it made five. And then I think for the year, for all time, basically, it's only made about 17, I think, for gross. And wasn't it entirely dwarfed by another major uh, release yeah, that it week? Was the, the same day or the day after The Rock with Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery Ooh. came out, directed by Michael Bay. And, I mean, I think it made $336 million. It was just... It was just overshadowed. Oh, yeah. It was dwarfed. Yeah. You know, The Phantom is the ghost who walks, and, you know, it definitely became a ghost film because no, oh, for <laughs> nobody sure. went and saw it. And that was around the time, I, I may have mentioned before, when uh, superhero films weren't so, uh, you know, ubiquitous as much as they are now. I think the prior to The Phantom, there may have been a stab at another character in the form of The Shadow with Alec Baldwin. And then, of course, you had the Batman films from Tim Burton, and then the Richard Donner uh, Superman films. We're not really going to talk too much about the uh, Superman sequels, like The Quest for Peace. Those were awful. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, so uh, it's sort of in that gap year between the renaissance of superhero films from 98 on and all we had before that. And, and it was it was written by uh, Jeffrey Boehm. Boehm? Boehm. Boehm. And uh, directed by Simon Winsor. Now, Simon Winsor did some great movies. He did uh, like Quigley Down Under that's in right. 1990, which if you have never seen that movie, that's a great film. He also did like Free Willy, uh, Harley Davidson and the Marble Man. Really uh, Daryl, which was a big '80s flick. I oh mean, yeah, I forgot about that one. He did a lot of great movies, and uh, <laughs> you know they tried to get this guy on here to make another amazing film, and it just kind of, kind of died. Simon Winsor definitely had an affinity for the adventure films. He worked on um, what's uh, the Adventures of Young Indiana Jones. Uh, he clearly had um, a love for like uh, westerns or like 1930s, 1940s movie serials that one used to watch in the into theaters if you were a kid or a young man or a, or a young person. Uh, he also did Lightning Jack. You ever seen that Lightning movie? Lightning Jack? No. Well, we're going to put that on our list. That's Is a, that the one with the like... Paul Hogan and the Western? You ever seen oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well that's a Paul Hogan... One. Well, uh, another... he, well, yeah, he did Crocodile Dundee 3. Yeah. But it was another piece of like little Phantom trivia. was like that Phantom is actually kind of big in Australia, which stands to reason why. Yeah, because it was filmed he, in Australia. Right. Off the Gold Coast. And Simon Winsor being an Aussie... Um, Actually, on, on Paul Hogan's show, he used to parody The Phantom all the time and dress in his costume. And, I didn't know Paul Hogan had a show. Uh, yeah, apparently. Oh. I, I had to, well, in my, you know, going over my notes and the research about the, the character and, and his popularity in other countries, apparently it's pretty big in Australia. So, uh, this was a joint production between Australia and the United States, um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty by-the-numbers, straight-shooting kind of movie. That I think it really knows... Who it, who it is or what it wants to be. I don't think it really knew which audience it wanted to find, but it was... Uh, it, they, they didn't, it didn't advertise really, it not at all. Very much, and no. I think that's the main reason is if they would have advertised it correctly, I think it would have it would have been a box office hit. But, I mean, I doing the research, we were, we were going through just videos and I couldn't find any interviews. It was, it was one clip from, like, Nickelodeon. Yeah. Where they're like, did you work with animals? And they're like, yeah, we worked with a bunch of animals. And in the movie, they actually cut out most of the scenes with animals. Like he was supposed to fight a, a lion at some yeah. point, and there was supposed uh, to be snakes, tigers, or lions. I think it was. I think well, there's a tiger in the movie, but the scene they cut out was like oh. him like wrestling with a lion. 
and then like him, you know, kind of Indiana Jonesing into like a pit of snakes or something. And okay, they just they, when you watch this movie, it has been chopped to galore. There's so many cutscenes and edits. It's I don't think that it was it was like chopped up as much. I think the shit was just left out. I mean, there there were two editors. And normally, when you see that, oh, you're kind of yeah. like, uh, that's not. Yeah, I suppose. That's I'd love true. to see like a director's cut. I I don't think there is one, unfortunately. No. It's only a hundred minutes long. It's a really short <laughs> yeah. film. And to give you like a brief synopsis of what the Phantom is about, it's yeah, uh, the Phantom is a descendant of a line of African superheroes, um, uh, uh, white African superheroes. Apparently, uh, <laughs> he travels to New York City to thwart a wealthy criminal genius from obtaining three magic skulls, which would give him the secret of ultimate power. And that was that's the uh, the text you read on like the back of the box. And what was the uh, that catchy tagline? Oh, oh, this is the best one. Ready? Slam evil. Wait, I, I need to do that a little better. Ready? Yeah, yeah. Slam evil. All over the promotional <laughs> materials, um, of which there weren't many, but I do remember seeing ads for the movie in like magazines, like video game magazines and comic books. Um, and then they had the special like uh, home video release, which I think did a little better than the theatrical release. I thought, yeah, because it came out really quickly right after the release. Yeah. It came out like six months later, not even like they. Because they knew they bombed, they they pushed it out, and it came in like it, this is not produced by Disney, but everyone remembers those Disney VHS boxes that yeah. were like, like the collect like the big they clunky. Were the, they were the big like uh, puffy packaged yeah, ones. I, I think it was like any kids movie was the puffy pack because you knew kids yeah. were gonna drop it and stuff right. like that. And it, it it came with a ring. It came with because uh, the Phantom in the movie he wears like the skull ring. And it came with it was like a little piece of plastic, and I think you just started playing with the ring before you even started. I thought the, the ring was was metal, was it not? Was it metal? Maybe it was like pewter or something like that. Yeah, it's like something. a soft metal or something. Yeah, because I remember it like we I, should find one. I know I want one. one on eBay. Just I'm, I'm sure they're out there. I had one as a kid too because I found it on a playground or something. <laughs> it was just in the dirt, like outside of like the YMCA or something. I don't even know. But I was like, oh, this is super cool. I just like skulls anyway. Um. Uh, we talked about the director, but um, we didn't talk about the actors in this movie. Ah. I mean, we mentioned that, uh, I think we mentioned, it's Billy Zane. So yes. The one, the only. For uh, you Zaniacs. For you Zaniacs. I, I love that. Um, and you want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the yeah, actors I'm gonna, in Yeah, well, I'm going to run through at least some of the, like, the top build people. Yeah, just people. the top build people. Billy Zane, as you know, Christy Swanson, uh, Treat Williams, Catherine Zeta-Jones, James Remar... Uh, Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa, and then a slew of other actors who have gone on to do other smaller roles and different things. But that's pretty much um, the bulk. But yeah, that's the bulk of. They're doing all the heavy lifting in in this movie, at least. Uh, and I mean, everybody knows Billy Zane from movies like um, Titanic, which I think is probably his biggest role to date. Uh, but he was also in a, in a really great movie called Dead Calm. Is somebody honking? I think somebody's alarm's going off. But... Oh well, well. You know what? Podcast it, it, life. It, yeah, podcast life. Even though <laughs> even though we have these really big pop filters that kind of cover everything, it still bleeds through a little bit. Um, let's talk about the reception. Mike, you want to you do that? Sure. Uh, let's. I think I have that pulled up here. I think, yeah, go, go for it, brother. So, The Phantom, 1996, 42% on Rotten Tomatoes, 42. IMDb gave it a 4.9 out of 10. So it was uh, people. If you read a lot of reviews, you're gonna get some critics that like it, some critics that hated it. Mm -hmm. People love it. It's just one of those. Again, it's a little cult classic. It's either you love it or you hate it. Um, Roger Ebert actually he gave it. Um, he said it was one of the best looking movies he had ever seen. It he, absolutely is. He loved it. It's a, I mean, it is a beautifully shot movie. Yeah. Um, the there's not a lot of nighttime shots as we no. noticed. It's mostly during the day. Yeah. But it's a great thing because you're seeing you're on beautiful islands and. 
airplanes yeah. and it's just it's really it, it great looks, like set and costume design as well like for for all of the movie's shortcomings like looking at it is is at least pleasing to the eye the costumes are fantastic um um you know being in that 1930s world you have all those classic cars everywhere it, it's very it's indiana jones reminisce of that oh totally totally and then uh, there's another one that from los angeles times a famous um Reviewer named uh, Kenneth uh, Turin, I think that's how you pronounce it, T-U-R-A-N, described it um, basically as this. Um, let me see where it was. I had it up. I hate it when oh, happens. here it is. There it is. So he described it as a modest, unassuming film, which is, quote, it's gently self-mocking as opposed to excessively wised up with a straight arrow hero and villains that wouldn't scare a tadpole. You know, it holds our interest via its human scale and its pleasure. You know, it takes in being true to its origin. So, I mean, he liked it, but he's like, it's just not that scary. It was, hmm. and that's that's one thing that I think we found out was it just did they try to make it cheesy like a nineteen thirties old movie, or yeah. did it just come out that way? Because I haven't really seen much from that. Well, it, uh, yeah, it, it, I don't know. It, it, it felt like. It either it was it was taking that adventure like pulp adventure approach that you either might find like charming and authentic or vapid and dull, um, and and it, and it firmly like like sits itself in that in that energy like uh, you know it's it's it plays it pretty straight it's a it's a really like start to finish sort of uh, no frills adventure story that um, you know I think some people want a little more out of their movies once in a while but. Sometimes you just want to sit back and watch like dumb adventure, and and that's what it's good for. Oh, also the soundtrack was composed by David Newman, um, mm-hmm. who also collaborated with Simon Winsor on a movie that some people may remember of Operation Dumbo Drop. I think I saw that once. Who was in that? Uh, it's uh, Ray Liotta. I'm just going Ray Liotta yeah. and um, Danny, Danny Glover. Glover. Danny Glover. I think there's like one other person in it. All I remember about that movie was they had to put a pill in the elephant's butt. <laughs> And uh, I was like, ew, gross, or whatever. Um, yeah, I was like, they did a couple, what was the, uh, Larger Than Life of Bill Murray? There was a couple, like, for some reason, yeah. elephants were a thing. That's weird. Um, you want to you wanna talk about the, the story a little more? Yeah, wanna- I do, actually. I, had, I, I was, I, I was going to actually come back to um, one, one minor thing, because we were talking about, like, um, the film's... Uh, Lack of a like an ad presence or a campaign before its release. Yeah, yeah. There was actually a Got Milk campaign that the Phantom was used in. No way. Yeah, and it was. Uh, I guess it was based on the fact that the character drinks milk a lot in the comics because he's a straight shooter, like Boy Scout kind of. Yeah. No alcohol. No alcohol. No smoking in the Skull Cave. No smoking <laughs> in the Skull Cave. That's right. Yeah. Movie. Uh, so the Phantom was using a Got Milk campaign, and it's based on the characters uh, drinking milk in the comics. Uh, and there was two action figures, and then of course the promotional rings. Um, and let's see what else do I have here about that. Oh, for as far as the story goes, the uh, the film is loosely based on three different Phantom stories, uh, written by Lee Falk. One is the Sang Brotherhood. Another one's called the Sky Band. And then there's a story called The Belt, and they, they kind of loosely incorporate elements of those three stories into this movie to make up the bulk of the plot. Mm. Um, Sang Brotherhood being a band of pirates who were... Um, and they, they changed the spelling on it. Cause it's, did they? Yeah, because in the comments it's S-I-N-C-H. It's Sing. Like and then the in this, they did like Sang with an E oh, okay. instead of an I. So little things like that. All right. 
Um, and the Sang Brotherhood are, are, are um, they go back all the way in the history with this character because they killed the original um, creator's father. Um, because the Phantom is, a, is from a line of superheroes. He's, this particular one is the 21st. So every subsequent Phantom uh, passes the mantle down to his son. Uh, and that's how they keep it going, and hence the name The Ghost Who Walks, because it seems like it's the same person and, for centuries. And talking about The Ghost Who Walks, like one of the big promotional uh, posters is is Billy Zane in the Phantom outfit, and he's sitting on his skull throne. Yeah. And it says in giant letters, The Ghost Who Walks. And then in the movie, they barely, like you hear people call him that, like his little assistant. Yeah. But they barely touch on it that much. Yeah. Like, it's... The, so, the, the only, like, uh... Like, then they changed it to Slam Evil. Like I think because I think because the poster it looks too dark and they're like this uh-huh. isn't this doesn't look like a movie. We don't, for he's kids. not a brooding superhero. Yeah, it, it also looks like it would be too dark for children. So yeah. I think they just switched it to him. You know, yeah, punching the seems, poster. That seems right. Yeah, like they kind of like retconned it or whatever the uh, retroactive continuity. Yeah, like just to fix it. Um, let's see what else here. Uh, <clears throat> that's Got Milk campaign. Um, you talked about the Sky Band, right? Skyband. Oh, they were. Oh, yeah. Okay. So there's like these uh, lady uh, sky pirates, um, which is Catherine Zeta Jones' character is is one of them, and it felt like they were gonna do more with them too, because like when they show up, it really just becomes her with the other principal characters, and then the Skyband just becomes like an afterthought, because you really don't see them after they leave the boat. He's like, "This is a boat full of women." Yeah, exactly. One of them shoots at him, and then then they leave, and then you never see any more from. From any, yeah, you don't get any pirates or whatever. It's weird because when you watch the movie, it's the the characters are so one dimensional. You want backstory, and I guess when they're writing this, they're like, "Oh, everyone knows who the Phantom is. We don't need to do a backstory. They'll remember the comic, sure." And it's like if you're seventy, you know, but for (laughs) little little kids, (laughs) like, it's basically it's just it's an action. The whole movie is a giant action sequence. Yeah, basically, there's a lot of practical effects in it too, which is cool for like '96. You know, you're starting to see a lot more. CGI and and effects like that in movies in that era and they they approached it like like it was a classic adventure film and I think that works for its uh, uh, to its strength. What what do you think is your your favorite scene? Because uh, I know we agree on one scene which we'll talk about. Yeah, um, and I, I do have a clip because uh, uh, well, hit us with the clip and then we'll talk about the, like okay. what works and doesn't with throughout the movie and then our favorite scenes. So there's uh, Treat Williams um, who did Mulholland Falls before he did this, which is actually a pretty big movie at the time. Mm-hmm. And then he came and did this, and it, I would say Billy Zane does a great job, but Treat Williams is is the he's re- having the most fun. He's having the most fun. He uh, he hams it up big time in his Treat Williams voice. And so we're gonna just little audio for you. Um, if you've never seen the movie, basically the they're looking for these skulls of Tuganda, and uh, he gets two of them. And uh, Treat Williams' character, uh, Xander Drax, uh, is touch- holding these skulls together out of a bag. And th- it's just a fun, you get the Treat Williams kind of idea. Yeah. Something's happening. Treat Williams, or he's just—he's so power hungry. He's, and he's chewing scenery in this movie. He, he's, he's always just hamming it up. 
it, he, I think it really sets the tone. I think he's one of the best parts of the movie too. I, I think he carries the film. I think, uh, yeah. you know, it's the character. I mean, he is the villain. I mean, you have to have that protagonist, antagonist, uh, hero, villain. Um, but yeah, he's the best part of this movie. Billy Zane isn't even. I don't think it's he does a great performance. They don't. I don't. I don't think it's bad, but it also isn't good. I think it's. it's I think just, the writing was kind of bad. And yeah, yeah, there wasn't a lot for him to to play with. Like if he had more lines before, they were they were removed or cut. Again, yeah. Supposedly the scenes that they cut. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of more backstory, the romance between him yeah. and uh, Chrissy Swanson or. Yeah. Um, Diana Palmer. Diana Palmer. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and they cut a lot of that out. So it just, it really is. It's it's like watching a, an action flick from the 30s. And he he's, it's completely, like, hammy and hokey, too, um, uh, with Treat in regards to Treat Williams' uh, lines. He even says shit as, as, as weird as, like, uh, keep the girl. We're going to have her for phantom insurance. <laughs> and sometimes, I don't, do they even know? I don't think they know... There's never a point in the movie where they discover that Kit Walker is the Phantom. No, not at all. But they, they've had multiple chances to the figure Phantom's out. The Phantom's always in close proximity oh, yeah. to wherever Kit Walker is. Kit Walker is is like the uh, Clark Kent to Superman. Kit Walker is his, his real name, like his, his alter his ego, yeah, normal identity. <laughs> um, I would say uh, among some of my favorite scenes, uh, and obviously we have we have a similar favorite. I like, uh, um. I don't know. It's hard to choose. The one we just listened to was great because um, I like Treat Williams doing his thing. There's the scene where the Phantom uh, slides down an elevator shaft with his guns crossed, just so that he slides down the cable. Yeah, he's and he's he's sliding down like a 45 story building through yeah. like the elevator shaft. And there's not a, there's um, when you go back and watch the fight scenes, they don't have a lot of great like choreography. It's just a lot of real no. big telegraphed like punches and. And he uses these 1911 pistols just to shoot down dudes who are running at him with swords. What's your... What, 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 so, okay, I'll do my favorite scene. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And then we'll talk about... And then the, we'll talk about our both favorite scenes. And then yeah. we'll talk about some, some scenes that just make no sense. Okay. Oh, man, my favorite scene. Wow. Yeah, I, I, th- I think my favorite scene is probably... And it's a weird scene. It's him interacting with the cabbie. Okay. I don't know why. As as Kit or as the Phantom? As Kit. When okay. he's giving him the jewels. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, because he, you know. He's like, hold he, on, this is a cab, good app. And, you know, he's from uh, the, the. Bengala. The Bengala jungle, so he tries to give him, like, Bengali money. And the guy's like, hey, man, what are you talking about? This, yeah. This is funny money. Yeah, what are you, <laughs> you trying know? to give me, funny money? Yeah, then he's like, oh, here, and just hands him a bunch of, like, you know, priceless gems, like opals. And I'm like, this is just. Homeboy goes and has him appraised while he's in the building. He comes back out. He's like, "At your service." <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know why. That's that's uh, one of my favorites. But our our favorite, which uh, if you've seen this movie, you automatically should know what we're going to talk about yes. because um, in it's the s- most infamous scene, I think, at least yeah, for me. Because you'd go to school and you would never uh, in science class, you know, it'd freak you out. You didn't want to get close to you, a microscope. You didn't want to get close to a microscope. So, <laughs> do you want me to talk about it? Do you, yeah, yeah, okay. hit it, hit it. So, uh, in the scene, um, you find out that uh, Xander Drax, who's Treat Williams, Xander Drax, the the villain, um, he's talking to a guy on a phone and he's uh, he's playing with um, this microscope, and then a librarian comes in, which you find out uh, Xander Drax has been researching the the skulls and. Basically, the librarian kind of ratted him out that he was doing this research. And so he brings in the librarian and asks him all these questions. He's like, no, 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 I wouldn't rat on you. And then right before he's going to leave, he's like, oh, can I have your professional opinion on something? 
And he's like, what? He goes, oh, uh, can you just take a look under the microscope? And Oh, let me hold your glasses. And the guy looks through and he can't see anything. And tree, you know, Xander goes, you know, I'll just turn the knobs. Turns the knobs. And then two just massive razor blades just go through the guy's eyes. Yeah. And you don't really see it. The only reason you know there's the razor blades is because beforehand you see Treat Williams or Xander Jax messing with it. You see the blades go up and down. And then he breaks yeah. the, I think he breaks the glasses and he's like, you know, you won't need these anymore. That's that's the scene that I think scene I, remember I remember the most. Yeah, from when as I was a kid, a kid. absolutely. Because yeah. you go to science class, I and like think of how horrific that would be. Oh, like, oh, I'm never using a microscope ever again. Still gives me shivers down the spine. <laughs> what, it, what, what scene didn't you like? I mean, um, there's a bunch, but well, we can nitpick. But I mean, what's your what scene where you just like this is stupid? It doesn't need to be in there. Uh, quite a few of them. Um, so the movie would be like 20 minutes long. Right. No <laughs> kidding. Um, uh, I have I'm, well, I have a hard time picking one that just doesn't sit well with me okay uh i don't care for the ghost dad stuff it, they don't explain it well enough nope. they don't give you uh the rules of the world like why can't or why why does his, his father is dead because one of the main villains killed his dad um so when he meets the phantom again he's like i killed this guy already and you know he can't figure it out well eventually he does but every time there's like a moment of reflection in the movie and kit walker's like in his cave Fucking his dad shows up. Played by Patrick McGoohan. Patrick McGoohan, you which you may know from Braveheart. He was uh, Longshanks. Yeah. Or was that what they called him in that movie? I think it was Longshanks. Yeah, he was like the he was the bad guy. Yeah, so. he was the main bad guy. Anyway, so he, he does he even does the narration, like the epilogue and the prologue, he does all that, but he's dead. Yeah. Or at least within the confines of the movie and its universe. Um And you I, don't really find it out till the end and they and they just kind of they don't even like put a bow on it. It's just they kind of just yeah. slapped a sticker on it and went, yeah. Well, they slap a punchline on it too. Like the last line of the movie is maybe I could get some sleep. Yeah, because when he's, when he's like, doing his book in narration. So this ghost can't relax until, until he has a baby dad, or something. Or I'm sorry, yeah, until his son like impregnates someone. I'm th- yeah, until he gets, you know, butt in the oven. It's it's weird. Oh, the movie. It's a weird one. So, yeah, I would get it. I think he even shows up in the back of the cab. Yeah, so when the cab he's driving, yeah, because yeah. Kit, Kit Walker, the phantom, <laughs> Billy Zane, just he just has these conversations with his dad, and no one else can see him, but he can see him. So it's yeah. like this power force. I think it might be the ring. Like, maybe they get trapped in the ring. Is it? I think that's what might okay. be, because the ring has, like, special well, they create, powers. They created a lot of the supernatural stuff for the movie. Uh, that's uh, not in the story. Specifically, that's not in the, oh, not gotcha. in the strip. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about the strip and, and its origins and uh, things that made it into the movie or that were created specifically for the movie like this the supernatural elements were, were essentially like written in that weren't always there now it's it's perceived that he is of supernatural origin in the strip because that's sort of the mystique of the character being the ghost who walks but that's not really part of his actual or at least what i've read <laughs> uh so that's that's what doesn't work for me i think uh, personally other than that like it's like I said, it's a straight shooting by the numbers movie, start to finish action, you know. I, I I do agree with you that the the ghost is probably the the worst part of the movie. Yeah. Um the effects aren't great. I mean, they're not amazing. But it's 1996. Yeah. You know, you, you watch it now when you're a kid, you're like this is amazing and now you're kind of like there's oh, a lot man. of great stunts. There's great stunts. Um one in particular, I think, is pretty cool. I'm not even sure if it's a stunt or oh, if it's a dummy. Actually, no, because you're going to talk about this. Which are you going to talk about the airplane? About, no, I'm talking about the cannonball. Oh, the cannonball. Yeah. Okay, I, I need to go back. <laughs> okay, all right. My my least favorite part of the movie. Oh, all right, all right. Is um so at, at one point, um, Diana Palmer gets kidnapped by the Sang Brotherhood, uh, Xander Drax, and all that. Right. And they're on a boat 
basically the Phantom saves her and they get onto like this. There are seaplanes throughout the movie. That yeah. seems to be the only form of uh, air travel is a seaplane. Yeah. So they get on the seaplane like a little um, one of the sky pirate <laughs> planes and they fly away and they're shooting at them and all this and it starts leaking fuel. Oh, yes. And it's on empty. He's like, oh, we're running out of fuel. And running out the, of fuel. We got to get on yeah, this plane. The, the gauge is on empty. And so his oh, he has a horse and a, a wolf, you know. That are kind of important to the comics in the. They seem to be telepathically linked to him. Yeah, and they're they like, know oh, we have is. to go save him. Yeah. So they jump off the plane into the horse, and right before they jump into the, like right after, the plane hits like a mountain and explodes in this gigantic explosion. It's a big <laughs> fireball, too. It's massive. And then you're thinking, you're like, wait, wait. a minute. The- it was on empty. Where did yeah. all this fuel come from? By movie logic, if it's full of fuel, it's going to explode. Yes. And if it's no fuel, it's still going to explode. Yeah, but what's causing... I don't know. I don't know. But it's silly to watch. It's a big explosion. It's a cool cool stunt, too, because it's all, you know, you can totally see when they swap out the actors. They swap out the actors. Some of, like, you you can tell, like, there's a little green screen action, but there are live shots of them holding on to, like, the the pontoon. Hanging off of a plane, yeah. Yeah, hanging off of a plane. So, and again, that's why it is beautifully... It's going to be scaring the shit out of that horse, too. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know no, how I, animals work. In I think movies, that the, the horse was running, but like you know, when she's like guiding to jump on it, you can yeah. definitely tell that's green screen. Oh, okay, I mean, right. it's a. It's and the, and bad. the shape of uh, Christy Swanson's face changes. Oh, she becomes like this this buff woman. No, the same the same with the Phantom and some of the stunts. Like his his skin tight suit just becomes a little looser. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, oh man. Oh. Um, oh, you got to talk about the mask. The mask. When, when he, oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Talk about the effects. That's another. Keep doing that. um, I was gonna jump to the part where they where they go to the Devil's Vortex and you meet. Um, oh, the the great the pirates, the pirates of the Caribbean scene. Yeah. <laughs> so you got the this ride. Man. We're not talking about the movies. We're talking about right. the ride. You got this mishmash of of pirates who are the Sang Brotherhood, and there's there's a British dude, there's Asian guys, there's uh, dudes of all all various ethnic and, and national backgrounds like collectively make up the Sang Brotherhood. Some of them don't even know each other. They got to show off their tattoos like a dark mark. Basically, so yeah. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm part of your I'm part of your club. <laughs> and this is where we meet. I think should have been uh, had more of a presence as a villain in this movie because it's Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa who played uh, Shang Tsung in 1995's Mortal Kombat um, and and various other times as well. Like, what else has he done? I know he's been Shang Tsung like three times. He was—he's recently in the in the most recent uh, video game as well as he's got he, the he face does the, and the, he does the yeah, I think he does the motion capture and the voice for it. Let's also. see. He was in oh he was in Pearl Harbor. He's been in Tekken uh, and that movie Hachi about the dog with uh, Richard Gere. Oh, he was in that. And he also I was, saw the preview. I didn't see the movie. It's pretty good. Is it good? Yeah, it's a it's is a, a tearjerker. Yeah, it's a is tear it like jerker. a Marley and me? Where yeah, you're like, I'm gonna go on a date and you just end up bawling sort next of, to your girlfriend. Kind of yeah. like that, yeah. But uh, I think it's worth a watch. And also, he was heavily covered in makeup in 2001's Planet of the Apes, just to name a few of his other uh, movies. Uh, but he's the great cop. I sing. He's the descendant of the original pirate who killed. Uh, our our phantom's great 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 grandfather, or however however far removed that is, uh, uh, and he's a great he's a great villain too. But he's barely in the movie. He's, he, he's it, there for just the climax he, for the third, yeah he the does. Fight. Oh, you want to talk about the cannonball scene? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, when when they all these all of our heroes meet these pirates, they come in and and they're they're trying. Drax is trying to like set up some kind of a deal with uh, uh, the pirates to get the third skull because it's you know because plot. 
and you know they're they're sort of at an impasse. And so one of the other gangsters is like, "Fuck this, I'm getting out of here." He pulls the secret gun out of his out of his ankle and he holds everyone at gunpoint. And he's like, "I'm getting out of here. Sorry, boss, but every man for himself." And then uh, Tagawa um, Kabai Singh says something in his native language, and he's like, "Yeah, what's that mean? It means fire By the, the cannon. cannon." And a cannon blast hits this dude square in the chest, and his body. I don't know if it's a stunt double or a body dummy. No, it's, it's a got dummy. A, it's a dummy? Cause, yeah, because you can see it like fold, but it just, it shoots. It flies like 100 feet. Yeah, it just shoots across. And the set, the set, <laughs> that's why I say it looks like the Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. ride. Because it, it just, they go to this, you know, remote volcanic island and it looks, it looks like a movie set. Yeah. It really does. And, 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 and the set reminds me of the 1930s films kind of like the swashbuckler fighting oh, up the stairs there's a big swashbuckling scene too and I'm thinking that's maybe why they took the influence from that sure maybe for the scene either way it's a really cool death scene like in the out of nowhere uh, that's like oh shit that dude got blasted uh, and then from there the whole the whole the whole island turns into a big fracas Phantom breaks out his guns and he's doing an unnecessary arm crossing dual wield shooting of guys with swords uh, and then you know, it, it's very anti. It, the the ending is even anticlimactic. Yeah, I think so point. too. There wasn't like a big villain. Well, except for Drax like being vaporized, that was a big villain death. But that wasn't like a. It, it didn't seem like a struggle for the Phantom. He was just like, nah, I no, got. Yeah, he wasn't like on his deathbed. Like I've been beaten up, and yeah. then I got the power to. The stakes. There wasn't. There wasn't there very no high stakes. stakes. No, you pretty much knew what was going down. So on on the final, uh, that they, they were. There was a, you know, in California, they were doing a, a one scene that ultimately ended up on the deleted, and it was, you know, the Phantom wrestles a, a lion. Yes. Okay, and there was also, like, scenes developing romance between uh, Kit and Diana Palmer were cut to make the film more fast-paced. That's all this film is, is fast-paced. It's just a, 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 the plot is driven just by these weird reasons to, to make these action scenes happen. And, and you're, you're much hopping it. locations. It's like New York. Yeah. Bengala. It's pretty good. And you're just back and forth constantly. And I guess he was also supposed to fight a snake. Was he? Yeah, he was supposed to fight a big snake at one point. Oh, cool. And uh, at the very end of the movie, he was supposed to, like, his horse was supposed to be rearing up in the sunset, kind of a Zorro style. Oh, yeah. And they yeah. cut that, but I guess in, in, there was an A&E uh, documentary about the Phantom comic strip, Crusader, the comic strip, and they actually showed that clip on the, the documentary that oh, wasn't really? even in the movie. Well, I tried looking up clips of that documentary too because right it was that aired on A and E before the release of, of the movie, the, of the movie okay. or somewhere around that time, and I never I never saw it, and I wanted I was looking up more about you know more promotional material about when you know about the movie from when it came out, but it's it's all just buried or something. Yeah, it's so weird. I mean, they they did that the galt the got milk um, thing. You know, they they had little action figures. Like they mm -hmm. spent some money on this movie and it just did not come back. And what's crazy too is it was it was not the only thing Phantom uh, in out there at the time. Like there, no. it, was, it was a pretty good time for the Phantom as a character. There was a there was an animated series uh, that started in '94 called the Phantom 2040, which puts this Kit Walker in the year 2040 instead of being in the 1930s. So it expounds upon that whole the lineage of the character moving forward into the future. Um, there was an animated, another animated cartoon where it was like sort of like a superhero team up. I guess he has ties to other heroes, uh, including including um, what was it uh, Flash Flash Gordon, uh, Mandrake the Magician, um, 
Rick Gordon, I guess, is also related to Flash Gordon. It was called Defenders, Defenders of the Earth. It was an animated show in, like, 85, 86. And not to be confused with Defenders of the Universe, which right. is a very difficult. Not to be confused. So he had, and in that show, he actually had some kind of, like, power where he'd be like, by the, he would, like, call up some strength of, of like, ten tigers or some shit, and he would have... Uh, like superhuman it's strength. like the power of Grayskull type of thing. Yeah, like, yeah, a lot like that. Um, and then fast forward to the 90s, like you got this movie, you got the animated show, um, and there, it was still a comic book too because Marvel and DC both uh, respectively had different runs with the character where they had full, full, full-ass books in a, in a series. Um, um, but it, ultimately it belongs to like King's Syndicate. Uh, what's the name of this? I think it was King Syndicate because it was it was it was before DC Comics and Marvel yeah. and all that stuff. So they just kind of they held on to it. Well, DC and Marvel were sort of like in their when this when this character was created were like kind of in their infancy, if you will, as Detective Comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there was a lot of and other... Marvel was was it Action for Marvel um, or DC? No, Action Atlas, Comics. Action the... Comics were Superman. Yeah, and then that's they kind of right. went in. Yeah. Oh, there's also another scene that we forgot to talk about. That's, oh, hit uh, me. What you got? That's really cheesy. Um, there's so you're, you're gonna get a lot of cheese in this. This cheese. Oh, so much. Uh, like as I, I think I said this uh, in a conversation earlier with with the uh, fish. As I'm like, it's like a, it's a roller coaster ride of shit, but you're gonna have a real good time. Oh yeah. And uh, there's there's a scene where you you know they're looking for these skulls of Tuganda, these the uh, Xander Drax, and then when they find the first skull, it's at the very beginning of the movie. It's very Indiana Jonesy. And they go into like this cave, and um, there, you know, there's all these antiquities, and one of the henchmen basically goes up and he sees like this skeleton that's got, you know, kind of beads on it. It's really old. It's probably like a 500 year old skeleton, and, oh. he, <laughs> and he finds the skull and he's like, "Hey, uh, Quill," which is uh, James Remar's character. Quill, look what I found. And he tosses the the skull over, and then the. <laughs> Like a five hundred year old skeleton chokes the guy out, just comes alive and kills him. You know, just and he just falls to the ground with his eyes open, very, uh, very nineteen thirties esque death. Death. Yeah, that I was like one of the first when I rewatched it. I laughed at that at that scene because the actor didn't seem like he, he he knew where he wanted to look, and you can see his eyes shift as he's dying, quote unquote. I did air quotes for all of our dying. listeners out there who can't see my fingers. Um. Let's let's jump into a couple little factoids I have about the movie here. So Billy Zane, and this is going to lead up to the whole the mask thing oh, okay, at, okay, at okay, the okay, end okay, of the yeah. movie. So Billy Zane, um, and I'm not sure when <clears throat> uh, the the Zane started balding, but he had a great kind of luscious head of hair. His hair is beautiful. He's in this. Got such good hair in this in this movie. It's like a Pantene He's Pro V commercial. Oh yeah. So he shaved his head um, to get the cowl to fit as close as possible. Um, so they actually had to shoot all of the hair scenes first, and then in the final unmasking scene shot in the, in in reverse. So at the end of the movie, you see, well, Diana Palmer, the character Christy Swanson plays, sort of uh, was kind of like guessing and knew that, that well, this maybe this phantom guy and this Kit Walker guy are one and the same. And then of course by the end of the movie, she calls him out and you know says his real name. So he's like, all right, fine, I'm gonna take my mask <laughs> off for you since you already know who I am. So, the Phantom's costume. Every time you see like a close up of it, it's just like in the uh, Batman movies. Whenever you know um, the actor would wear the cowl, he'd have this black makeup around his eyes, just to further obscure the actor's eyes a little more and make them, you know, just to round out the costume. So too did Billy Zane have black eye makeup around the Domino mask. So when he goes to take off the mask, 
when he does, the eye makeup just magically disappears. Um, which would... I've always wondered, like, why didn't they just leave it on there to make them look like fucking raccoons? Yeah, it... But they didn't. So you see the, the makeup magically disappear, and then they have their, their big kiss, and then she goes off, and he hops on the horse, puts his mask back on, and as soon as the pan the camera pans up to the big hero shot, the eye makeup is back. Which is a continuity error, technically, but... You know, it's you never know. Part of the movie. I mean, it's part of the. Yeah, no one's gonna give a I, shit. Did did they? Uh, what was it? Batman, the newest, the one with Christian Bale, Batman. Yeah. Didn't they show him like cleaning his eyes at one point, wiping the makeup off? I, I want to say you saw him do something at some point. I, don't I could know. be wrong. I maybe I'm thinking of something else, but I thought maybe they actually addressed that at one point. That sounds familiar. I can't remember. Was that Batman or was that another hero? It movie? It might have been another hero movie, but I don't recall that. No. I feel like we need to see that <laughs> from someone, somewhere, sometime. So, uh, real quick, yeah, a little commercial break. Okay. Okay. Let's do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Ducking the Usher, my name is Josh, and we want to make sure that you are following us on all your social media sites. As far as Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, you can follow us all at the same thing, at Duck in the Usher. That is D-U-C-K-I-N, the Usher. Also, you can give us a call. Maybe we missed something. Maybe you want us to do a movie that you suggest. Give us a call at 321-804-2635. Leave us a message. You know, maybe we'll play it on the air. And we're back. Sweet. All right. Um, is there any other interesting tidbits about this movie you'd like to... I think we pretty much covered it. On. I mean, this is our first episode, so as the episodes go on, we might uh, yeah we might talk a little bit longer, and uh, we're I developing. Mean, our... and this, is, this is a short movie. Our our, yeah. our next movie is a uh, is a good one. Do, do we need to talk anything else about the Phantom? Because I mean, I pretty much think. Well, I was gonna I was gonna hop into a little bit more about the, some some of the interesting things that I I took away from the movie, or at least the movie led me down a, a, a kind different of a path. rabbit hole oh, okay. about some of the interesting things about the movie which um, and the character, which I think would kind of help give people a better understanding of who the character is, because if you go into the movie cold and don't know anything about you're the just, character... You're kind of just watching an action movie. You might be a little lost. So, uh, just briefly, uh, and, and Josh already mentioned this at the top of the, of the show, uh, The Phantom was created by Lee Falk. It was first published in uh, February 17, 1936, which I think is older than my grandfather. Um, 1936? 1936. My grandmother was born in 33. Oh, wow. So, so it, She's still kicking. She's, yeah, yeah. yeah she's oh, wow, growing. that's tight. Yeah, she's awesome. My grandpa is too. Um, actually, all my grandparents are still alive, oh, so wow. that, that's pretty cool. So the Phantom, um, or Falk, rather, Lee Falk, worked on the Phantom even until his death in 99. Um, so he, he, he definitely got to see the production of his movie. Um, so we know that the Phantom is a fictional crime fighter from the country of Bengala. Uh, and what started as a daily newspaper strip, the comic uh, was just a strip at the time. It wasn't a, a full-blown book. Um, it gained a lot of popularity, and then directly within a couple months, it gained it had a, uh, a full-color strip on Sundays as well. And both of those strips are still running as of this year, 2019. And I actually remember reading some of the strips in the newspapers in the 90s. Um, after the movie had come out, I, I would I would see it. I was like, oh oh shit, Phantom, and I, and I would read it. And they were real short. They were always and it was always something to do with him climbing aboard a boat and beating up like grave robbers or treasure hunters or things like that. Um, and at its peak, the strip was read by over a hundred million people daily. 
Um, and then I already mentioned that the character was adapted into comic book series, television, film, video games, uh, and even a small, short-lived miniseries in 2008 as part of the Sci-Fi Channel, and they are really known for their quality. Um, he's also known for being the first costume crime fighter to wear a skin-tight leotard with the mask and the underwear on the outside. Yeah, I was just—I was going to see if you're going to talk about that. Um, and and this is a few years before we got like Batman and Superman um, officially in the 1930s. So he kind of like was the forebearer of of the whole classic superhero look, what we expect a superhero to look like outside of like the cape, um, which is cool because I think capes are impractical. Uh, he's also the first character to have, like, the whited-out eyes, like Batman would end up having, where you can't see the pupils. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a feature. Oh, and here it is. The rights of the character still belong to King Features Syndicate. Um, and he was also um, adapted into a 15-episode, 240-minute movie serial uh, in 1943 by Columbia Pictures. So that's he's, a, he's ha- that's a long movie. And unless, yeah. they, unless they had like a bunch of shorts and they kind of combined that's them. What, that's what it is. The okay. movie serials, just like the old uh, like Flash Gordon and stuff, which uh, inspired people like George Lucas to make Star Wars because he used to love watching you know the movie serials uh, when he was a kid. So he's got a pretty long and storied history, The Phantom does. Um, I think... Uh, this movie for me is not just um, like a nostalgia trip, but it was kind of like one of the first heroes I got into. I'm even wearing a superhero shirt. You are. Now. See Daredevil, uh, and I've always always had like an affinity for comics and, and superheroes. So I like I like to I like to keep this one firmly in my in my collection <laughs> with my other superheroes. Um, and as well, there was another hero from that era that came out two years before I mentioned it earlier it was the Alec Baldwin with the shadow um, but he was also like a radio show but I don't know I just like to go in the back and like researching like how superheroes got their start and, and it starts with this guy and a few other characters before him like Zorro uh, and um, really that's pretty much all I gotta say about that yeah I'm just gonna kind of give you a little uh, some trivia facts hit me all right uh, did you know Bruce Campbell was offered the role? I did. That's I pretty, did know that. That would be, a, you know, the Phantom with a good-looking chin right there. There was a... Uh, you got all the other actors that almost potentially played uh, the Kevin Phantom M. Well? Smith was considered for the role. I'm not quite sure who that was. I don't know either. Um, <clears throat> it just gave me a little, couple of different things. Also, that um, Billy <clears throat> Zane was so... Like, he buffed up for this movie that they didn't have to give him, like, fake muscles yeah. for the suit. Like, he... Uh, he worked out for an entire year to like really beef up for it. And that movie, the movie would have suffered. Uh, it would have looked weird with if, rubber it, muscles. Because I hate that because you can I tell because like their wrists get so small and they're just like. Yeah, yeah, it looks like Popeye or something. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I think um, Dolph Lundgren at one point that was, was for the, that was like in the the eighties they were thinking about making a movie for That's it, right. Yeah, and he was offered for that. There was actually in the according to this, I don't, I didn't fact check a lot of this. So if if any of this is incorrect, feel free to fucking let me know. In the 1970s, pre-production actually began. Yeah, I'm seeing that on a low-budget feature starring Adam West um, as this character, but it was scrapped after issues with the character rights. And now I'm not sure is that the same one that ended up being called Adventures of Captain Africa. Um, it does. Was that a different? Actor? I think that's a different actor. Okay. Uh, I know, like Jenny McCarthy, Jennifer Lopez, they both auditioned for oh, wow. the Catherine Zeta-Jones part. 
There was a lot of like there's a lot of great little trivia facts have and um, and and what's great about it is uh is that right after this movie next year Billy Zane does a movie that broke every box office record mm-hmm. um at the time and he was in Titanic he played Cal you know and Cal Hockley yeah Hockley Hockley and uh, you know the the dickhead of Titanic basically. I put and the what do you say? I put the jewel in the pocket, or I put the I put the jewel or uh, or the necklace or something in in the jacket. Yeah, I put the coat on her. <laughs> that was a good line. I liked him in that movie. And uh, you know, and the little thing about Billy Zane, I remember you, you had mentioned this a little while ago um, when we were chit chatting, and I remember it uh, when I was a kid. Is uh, yeah, Back to the Future Two. Billy Zane's one of uh, yeah yeah Biff's lackeys. He's I didn't even know I that until he talks. last he, week. I don't think he talks. No, know? I yeah, think he, he just stands in the back and. Smiles. Oh, he his position. I, I when I was I didn't know this until like last week when I was looking this up about his role in Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. When when McFly uh, when Marty forces Biff and his car to careen into the manure truck, he's in like the back right seat. Yeah, which means he was buried Underneath. under the shit. And 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 why isn't that character dead? <laughs> <laughs> like the other two guys on the outside, get like get to pop their heads out. But this dude was literally like buried in shit. That character should have been dead. Did, did, anyway. you, did you talk about the hair thing? The reason, like about Billy Zane shaved his head. For oh the yeah, cow? yeah, I'm for sorry, the okay. cow. Yeah, we talked sure. about that. Yeah. So I think that's really about it for the Phantom guys. Um, next week we're going to be doing. Um, I mean, really, if if you're listening to this now, we're uploading three. All, like right off the bat so you'll be able to kind of marathon it our next one is the 1986 film Flight of the Navigator uh, produced by Walt Disney Pictures and it takes place in Fort Lauderdale Florida and uh, we just finished watching that and I think it's here in for a great treat other than that my name is Joshua Stenkamp I uh, I have been Zachary Fisher you have been I have been and uh, you're listening to you. You've listened. You have listened. Yeah, to the first episode. So, um, oh, also, take it easy on us. I forgot to say, um, we have a uh, Patreon account. Um, we don't we don't have much set up, but if if you like what we're doing and you want to donate some money to kind of help us maintain buying the movies and uh, obtaining our stuff, please do that. We have a a couple great perks there. And other than that, we will see you next week. That's right. I feel pretty good about that.